breathing itself, breath work, is a many lifetimes worth of study. There's so much in it. You know, people overlook it all the time, which is fair enough, because we do it all the time. We don't need to think about it. But I would argue it's probably the most important part of our health. You know, everything is affected by our breathing. I would argue it's one of the most important parts of being a human. Our breath is with us there always in the good situations and the bad situations. And when we start to practice breathing a little bit consciously, it has massive effects on our, on our health, obviously. But also, it starts to show us that, again, in the moments of difficulty, in the moments in the cold, in the moments of, of pressure, that we have a choice. Welcome to the Degrees of Health podcast, where we delve into the heat, the cold, and the spectrum of health in between. We had an awesome conversation with Neil O'Murakew. Neil has over 20 years experience as a wellness expert and is a best-selling author and now teaches people all over the world how to use breathing as a tool. He's a fascinating guy and I really genuinely enjoyed our conversation. He's interesting, he's interested and can speak about all sorts of things from what we can learn from the cold, from what we can learn after incorporating a breathwork practice of which I'm going to actually take one up after our conversation. Um, we spoke about how he found himself in a prison speaking with inmates and guiding them through a cold water experience and what we can learn from that. A line that perfectly encapsulates what we spoke about, as far as I see, is a line from Joseph Tussman, which says, if you can identify and align with how the world really works, the world will do most of the work for you. There's this theme of acceptance and aligning with nature, as opposed to fighting against it and swimming upstream, which comes, a, comes up in our conversation. Um, from time to time so uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation and I hope you learn loads and please do send in what you learn we're really enjoying the um, the discussion with the listeners so with that here's our conversation with Neil O'Murakey well Neil thanks so much for being with us really uh, appreciate thank you very much yes yeah. me too thanks for the invite oh good well look we came across your book you know The Power of Coal which will hold it up for people viewing on YouTube and the like. And it's a really, really interesting book. I really like the way it's written as well. It feels very, um, it feels more like one of those books you read and it's like a conversation as opposed yes. to, you know, someone's bombarding you with information. Um, and it really felt like, a, you, you know, your own personal story in that as well, um, which really resonated with um, producer Eloise and I. So yeah, love, love what you've managed to, managed to piece together here. I mean, how did, how did the journey start? How did you, how did you discover the cold water? Well, I'm from uh, North County, Dublin, um, just north of the city, right on the beach. So I grew up on the beach and uh, spent my childhood on the, on the beach, jumping in and out of the sea as a teenager. Now, I didn't really understand the importance of the cold, but you're just, at that age, you're just exploring and it's like an adventure jumping into the sea. So it was always a part. It was always in the background there uh, in my life. and. Um, but then, of course, you forget those things as, at different times, and uh, it was it was then in a in a in a moment many years later when myself and my wife were really struggling with the difficulties that can arise in life um, that we discovered cold showers again and and the effects that the, it's something as simple as turning the the water to cold can have, and that led us on a very um, very interesting journey through the Wim Hof method. Um, through lots of different things 
to to eventually writing the book about uh, how the how the coal can be a power for good in our lives, a force for good in our lives. And it's so simple. Mm. I, you, the point in your book that really resonated with me, I mean, among others, was uh, you speak about having an intention with the coal. Yes. And, and the importance of that. And just when you were speaking about your childhood of, you know, you're swimming in the sea as a, as a kid, you know, my grandparents used to, yeah, they live in in Devon. So as a kid, you used to go down and, you know, the occasional swim in the freezing water. But when you're a yeah. kid, you have no intention, right? There's no why yeah. apart from this is cold and apparently we're meant to be in here. Yeah. Can you talk to the importance of like actually, A, finding that why to get in the cold and the importance of that intention? Yeah. And I do wonder about that because I think the child isn't setting an intention. But their intention is exploration, really. They're just curious. You know, it's that sense of adventure. Uh, and this morning, I was getting into the ice bath. We have an ice bath at the back here in the garden. And I, what I really struggle with most in the cold is setting that intention. Because I was standing there at the side of the ice bath, looking into the ice, thinking to myself, why am I getting in here? You know, and trying to be really, really clear about that. Um, and that why can change every single day. That's why I think it's so important to be really clear about it. So, for example, sometimes I'm standing at the side of the ice bath and my intention is that I feel I need to let go of something. Maybe I had a stressful day and I need to let go of something in the cold. Today was about trying to find that sense of calm again. You know, so everyone's everyone's intention could be very different. But I think being clear about that gives the whole experience way more meaning and then we get um we get more from it then as well so that intention which brings about more meaning is is uh is very important because otherwise we're just doing it kind of automatically we're not really sure why we're doing it and maybe times that you know that's that's, that's of course that's okay as well but i think uh, when we're really clear on why we're doing it um the depths of the experience can open up to us then. How would you go about exploring or finding a why to get in the cold in the first place? Like, why should someone even entertain trying to find a reason to throw themselves yeah. in cold water? Yeah, it's a good reason. So um, for a lot of people, the obvious ones are health. You know, So maybe it's to improve uh, their health, reduce inflammation or reduce pain, for example. For a lot of people, it's performance or recovery. That's a big kind of part of it. A lot of people, it's just curiosity. And of course, that can be a clear intention. You know, what is down here? What's it like here? Um, but as we kind of go down through those intentions, we're getting deeper and deeper into the experience. For some people, it's about, about finding out who they are because there's no, there's no place to hide in the cold. When you get into the cold, you know, I had a, I had a workshop yesterday guiding people through the cold and through ice baths. And I see it all the time, and it's a privilege to watch, but there's nowhere to hide in there. All the facades come down, all the masks come down. You see people as they truly are. And they, in those moments, also find the sense of, like, how do I deal with this? At the depth, when I'm under that pressure, who am I? Can I find a sense of control? Can I find a sense of calm? Um, so there's many, many lessons to be learned in the cold. And if we take our time, prepare ourselves to get in through say an intention and a little bit of breathing settling ourselves down we can really learn a lot about ourselves in there so there's a whole spectrum mm. of reasons why we get in 
And I think sometimes one leads to the other. So a person might get in to improve their recovery or to improve their performance if they're an athlete or something. But the more they get in and the more attention they pay to the, to the experience, the more it opens up to them. They might learn a little bit something about themselves the next time and then the next time. And of course, then in the book we talk about as well, the deepest lesson that I think the code can teach us is that we can find a sense of calm in the chaos of the code. And then really it teaches us that we can find that sense of calm in all the chaos that we face, all the pressure, all the difficult situations. It's it's really interesting to hear you say that. I think in my own experience, and I think Eloise as well, we, we got a cold plunge probably about two, three months ago. And um, the daily practice of getting in and exploring where this goes, the intention we started with the go to get in, maybe health benefits, you know, trying to recall before workouts, whatever it is. And actually, it ends up unfolding to its own completely unique journey where you, know, you talk about the depth of the experience. It's definitely something I'm sort of exploring each week and be like, okay, like I, I'm exploring different uh, caves of myself that I didn't know quite existed. Yeah. And you do strip yeah. away the, the veneer that maybe society or you, you thought was you, but actually maybe it's just some sort of uh, facade. But I think, uh, that comes through time and repeated exposure, I think. What, what do you think? Or do you think? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it's like all practices, you know, the practice of breathing, the practice of getting in the cold, the more we do them, the more they open up to us. So at the beginning, it's just the shock of the cold. Oh my God, what is this? Like, get me out of here. Then as we kind of get used to it, it always changes. It's never the same. Like every time we do it, it's totally different because we are totally different every time we do it. But that practice, that repetition, that exploration, um, that the improving of our skill to be able to breathe in there really does open up, as you beautifully put it there, these caves within us. You know, so um, just before Christmas, I climbed up a huge mountain in Poland, uh, just wearing a pair of shorts and boots. Uh, it was about it was about minus seventeen at the top. About you know it was a you know quite a long quite a long adventure but during that process of just me and the cold like you're saying it starts to peel away the different layers that we put up and build around ourselves and it really gets us down into the into the core of who we are and we find out a lot about ourselves in difficult situations but especially in the cold um and i think for me the part of the reason i wrote the book was to try and figure out why is that the case? Why does the cold do this to us? And at the beginning of the book, I describe the experience of how we're born, we're, we're safe, we're warm, we're then, you know, we're, we're born. And it is the shock of the cold on our skin that brings us to life, forces our first breath, opens the lungs. And for me, that was the, that was the link between the experience and the depths and the cold. And why it's there is that because it's there at the very beginning of our life, it brings us to life. Um, even though we might push it away a lot, when we bring the cold back into our lives, it can make us whole again and can open up those depths again in us. The, I mean, I completely, uh, even hearing you talk about it, makes me want to jump into the ice bath and just be like, like cool, let's just pause this. I want to let's go find go. myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Peel back these, these layers. Um, but no, seriously, I, I, it's um, you talk about setting an intention, 
I think uh, that's a powerful intention for people to explore and even just entertain. Um, I'd love to just double click on something you said earlier, which is finding calm amongst the chaos. Mm. Maybe I'm slightly paraphrasing. You probably said it way better than that. But calm, I think, for someone who hasn't experienced a lot of cold water exposure isn't mm. something they probably associate. I think they see people get in, they think, oh my God, chaos and energy and all this. Can you talk to how, where does the calm come in in that for someone who maybe hasn't explored cold exposure? Yeah, and I think that's that's fair enough. You know, when people see the cold and they have experienced it maybe just on a, on a certain level, of course, there's no calmness about that. There, your first interactions, like when I was a teenager jumping to the sea, there wasn't one element of calm in that experience at all. Um, but this is what the cold can teach us. The cold is a merciless teacher, but it can teach us some amazing things. And one of them is that we can find a sense of first control and then calm, despite the pressure of the cold. So for somebody who's thinking, what the hell are you talking about? The first moments in the cold are shocking. That's why we get in. We want to feel this sense of shock, this sense of chaos. It pushes us into fight or flight. It pushes us into this emergency mode. And that's what we're looking for. But then if we can get control of our breathing, and mostly the exhale is what we're focusing on. If we can start to control our exhale, the body starts to recognize that it's feeling calm now. It's moving from fight or flight into the parasympathetic part of the nervous system, the peaceful part of the nervous system. And that control of the breath then, if we slow it down even a little bit, that control turns into this deep sense of calm. Because we're sitting there under the cold water, in the, in the ice, but our body has now moved into the part of the nervous system where we feel safe again, where we feel um, again and that's where all the deep benefits start to take place but also it is this experience of us learning that we can use the breath and the cold is teaching us that we can use the breath to find the sense of calm no matter what's going on and, and and the cold teaches us in those moments but it's actually all the other moments in our life where we can apply it so in the cold we find a sense of calm but then when that difficult thing happens to us, we can also find that sense of calm. And the body remembers the experience in the cold. So in that way, I think that's one of the, 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 the invaluable lessons of, that the cold can teach us, is that we can find that sense of calm no matter what's going on. Well, that segues nicely. I mean, there's a lovely line in the book, which is if you can find control and calm down there in the depths of the cold, you could find it anywhere. Which I really, really like. So dealing with the cold and trying to like keep that equanimity in the cold i guess translates into every other area of your life right it's sort of deliberate practice around stress so how did you how did you find yourself on live t on tv guiding prisoners <laughs> and uh, inmates through a cold water experience yeah it was um quite unexpected actually um i was in google that after that morning uh, teaching people how to use breathing to deal with stress and I got a phone call out of the blue and I'm like you know could I take my ice baths and be in this prison in, in Dublin in a couple of hours time um, to teach the inmates how to use as we said the cold as a way to deal with chaos and also there'd be a TV crew there and it was like 
it was like a, a mini ice bath because I was thinking, I'm just about to go on stage here in Google. I never answered my phone. And it was like, okay, take a breath. This is just exactly what the cold teaches us. Take a breath. Let it unfold. I said, yeah, I'll be there in a few hours. And um, it, it was quite a profound experience because it's the prisons. The prison I was in is very old, very Victorian. And comparing it to, say, Google, had, had I've been talking to Google, and they were talking about how they build their buildings in a very specific way to bring about a culture of openness and friendliness and and you know and and creativity and and the architecture reflects that. And I went then into this Victorian prison, and of course the Victorian prison was also using its architecture to influence people's mood, but it was closed and oppressive and you know tight, and there was hundreds of men in this prison. And it's overwhelming the smell, it's overwhelming the noise, it's, you know, it is this chaotic place. And in amongst all that, these, these men came down, they'd never met me, they didn't know what was going on, there was TV cameras everywhere. And I must say they were very brave, you know, I tried to explain to them, look, we're going to go outside now, we're going to try to use the cold to deal with chaos, to deal with pressure, which is their life all the time. And um, it was, again, for me, my experience in the cold had was invaluable because the pressures we were under, there was like a riot kicked off before we went out. We had to move into a different part of it. We had I hardly had any time to prepare them. So all these things are just the pressure. And by being in the cold a lot, you learn how to deal with those pressures. And then we went outside and it was a freezing cold night. And it was in this massive yard in the prison with these glaring, you know, like the, the lights that they have to make sure no one escapes from the prison, barbed wire everywhere. And uh, I could see from the body language of some of the men that, you know, some of them were into it. They could see their their intention was clear. They wanted to learn how to do this to, to help deal with the, the stress of living in the prison. And some of them, you could see very clearly, were struggling. You know, they didn't have a clear intention. They, They, you know, they didn't, they, they hated the experience. You could see that in them. They didn't know why they were doing it. Um, they gave it a go. But in those moments, you can see when someone's really struggling, you know, and um, that guidance that they can provide and support when they're in the cold is so important. But um, afterwards, one or two of them were, you know, were delighted that I'd made the effort to go in there. And uh, hopefully they could use it then to deal with the pressure of, of living in prison, but also then with the pressure of coming out of prison and, you know, trying to rehabilitate back into society as well. Have you had relationships or dialogue with uh, any of the prisoners in that session with you? I haven't, not directly with them, but with the person who had organized it. So some of them are, some of them were still using the cold showers and, you know, they were really trying to make it go. But it, it was just like another tool in, in their, in their, you know, and their skills to be able to deal with whatever they were dealing with and they had to deal with an awful lot it's such a it's such an amazing i mean you talk about google and i think our world nowadays they put well we all put so much emphasis on the new and the cutting edge and the ai this and the amazing goggles this or you know whatever new technology that's yeah. going to change <clears throat> humans and actually when you go back to basics cold shower up getting in cold water can really help people who I guess want to spark some change after coming out of prison and everyone else, whether it be 
the mental benefits or the physical benefits that come mm. through that. I mean, it, it, it is quite profound when you, when, when you double click on it and sort of get beyond just, I have a cold shower and I just feel good. Um, I think those, those mental benefits of, I guess, self-confidence and resilience mm. um, and a mindset that do end up shaping your out, outer world. I'd love to get your opinion on that. I mean, obviously, anecdotally, and you've seen loads and loads of different cases and people go through this transformation. But what is it? I mean, is, is it this confidence? Is it a resilience? Or is it just it actually changes your inner world, which in turn changes your outer world? I mean, I, I think it's all of those things. Uh, and I think the, you know, the, there's a sense of adventure getting into an ice bath or going to the sea. But the, the real work is in the morning, in the shower, and then turning it to cold. You know, people find the cold shower so difficult because they're kind of grim. You know, there's no sense of adventure. You're in the, in the shower, it's cold. But in those moments of difficulty, there's lots of things going on. First is the, the decision to make the change. So the decision to reach out and turn the hot shower to cold, that's a massive thing for people. That's probably the most difficult part of it. So it's that internal decision that I want to change. Whatever it is, maybe I want to change my mood. Maybe it's, I want to change my health. After that decision to make that change, then we have to deal with cold. So in that struggle, finding the breath, finding a way to deal with it, starts to build our confidence, as you said, in ourselves, our resilience. When we turn the cold shower off, and we know from all the signs, people feel amazing. Their hormones are balanced. Their circulation is working much better. They feel like a different person. The person that goes into the shower is a different person that comes out of the cold shower. And they're standing there having done this really difficult thing already. They, might, they, haven't, they haven't even gone downstairs. They haven't even gone to work. They haven't done whatever it is, but they've already done this really difficult thing. And that starts to build a sense of confidence in the person. It's like a victory every morning before they've even stepped out of the, out of the bathroom. And that then starts to build this resi resilience, as you mentioned as well, because then other things in their life seem easier than the second cold shower every morning. So you're, I'm sure you're very familiar with this, this idea that we do the hard things to make our life easy. But if we never do the, if we only do the easy things, our, our life becomes hard, you know? So that, that resilience is built up in that person. They feel they've already won before they've even started the day. And then that starts to spill over into other parts of their life. Then that, that resilience is, well, if I can do that bloody cold shower in the morning or whenever it is, I can definitely do this thing, you know, so that's where the confidence starts to build. And, and we know as well, there's this great phrase in the Irish language, um, and it means when it's translated that we go to the sea to drown the miserable person. So what it means is that we go to the cold in order to change how we feel and to leave the misery in the cold. So it's the same in the cold shower. No matter how we feel beforehand, we feel incredible afterwards. And that itself is also a confidence that the person can know to themselves, you know what, no matter how I'm feeling, I know how to change that for the better. And that also gives them a confidence because they know now that they, are, they can master these feelings, whatever they might be. That's beautifully put. Beautifully put. This, 
idea of choosing your struggle and uh, the confidence that comes off the back of that is something I'm exploring in conversation like this. I, I learn more and more and it becomes the idea becomes slightly <clears throat> clearer in my head. When it comes to things you can't choose, so I guess talking, uh, choosing your struggles and inevitably life, there's struggles that come your way that you can't control. You, you talk about grief in your book and you know, mm. it's a very personal anecdote to you, um, which if you're right, I'd love to, love to explore. Of what course. What place does the cold have in grieving? Yeah, so in, in my life, I've lost uh, quite a few people that are very important to me. And I think what drew me to Wim Hof as well um, at the beginning was hearing Wim Hof's story of, of his own wife uh, ending her life and you know the cold as a way of dealing with that and that definitely drew me in as well um, because when we're grieving or when we're heartbroken or when we're struggling all we want is just a little relief from those feelings even for a fleeting moment so by getting into the cold in a way it gives us that respite from the grief <coughs> You know, because when we're in the cold shower or the cold, in those moments, we can't think of anything else except the cold and the experience of it. So we get a, we get a break from the heartache. We get a break from the grief. And in those moments of being away from it, it helps us to heal. It helps us to, to bring ourselves together again. It helps us to feel whole again. So the cold has been a huge part of me and, and Josie, my wife, being able to deal with the loss that we have felt in different ways. And it slowly starts to put you back together again. And I think that for people is um, it's so practical. And, and there's, no, there's no choice about it. You know, when you get in, let's say you're sitting down and you're meditating, there is a choice. You can have this wrestling match with your mind and there's a choice. Oh, I'll just feckin' stand up, I'm, I'm finished. But when you're in the cold, you have to deal with it. So, so in a way, it's this you know very direct way of dealing with grief. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's just another, it's another element you wouldn't necessarily put with the cold or associate mm. with this tool. Um, but then again, you have a story like that. That intention can change. Of okay, maybe this yeah. is a tool I can just use for. I don't know, feeling an energized start to my day. It's it, it's definitely more multifaceted than that. You talk about yeah. letting go a lot. I'd love to explore that. Yes, um, yes. I yes. think it's a really powerful uh, idea that I guess transcends just the cold, but can be learned in the cold. Tell us more about letting go. Yeah, I suppose it's it's to me it's the it's the big practice. It's the practice that runs through. Meditation runs through mindfulness, breathing, the cold is our, our skill or our ability to, to surrender in difficult situations. Now, I'm an, I'm an athlete by, in my background, so this was very difficult for me to kind of accept, you know, because as an athlete, it's all about not surrendering. It's about pushing and winning and faster and stronger. But the more I kind of the more I started to understand the cold, the more I started to understand breathing, the more I started to understand meditation, the more I realized that the human, our human nature is we want to control things. We want to try to force an outcome. We want it to be this way. We want it to unfold the way we wish it to unfold. And really, 
as we start to turn inwards and we start to kind of open ourselves up a little bit emotionally and open our minds up to things, we realize that we have very little control over most things. So in a difficult situation, uh, there's a skill in being able to not be tense, not try to control it, to take a breath and to to loosen and soften a little bit and see how the thing unfolds. And in, in you know in, in sports, you can see this in a way that when a sports person is at the top of their game, they're not tense. They seem to have all the time in the world on the pitch or in the fight, wherever it is. They're loose. Their skills are flowing. They're in, they're in the flow state, as, as people have described it. So to get to that kind of state, we have to let go a little bit. We have to be loose in the body. We have to be open in, in, in the mind. And uh, that that's not only for sport, but, you know, in the cold, it's a reflection of that. In the cold, we, we were tense at the beginning. We're tight at the beginning. And as we start to breathe and, and start to take control of the breath and let go, we can begin to soften the muscles in, in the cold. We can actually begin to let go of the tension in the cold. And there are many depths to this as a practice in the cold. The first is when people get into the cold, it's just literally, you know, I see it, I've seen it thousands and thousands of times. People are tense like this. And I say to them in the cold, okay, just take a breath and, and soften your shoulders next time. They soften their shoulders. And then it's like soften the next part of your body. And then you realize that your hands are like this in the cold and soften your hands. And then all the way down the body. And we can learn how to let go of tension in the cold. We can le learn to let go of stress in the cold. We can even learn to let go of the mental tension that we hold, the emotional tension that we hold. And that is powerful. That is powerful because as humans, we are very good at holding on to grief, holding on to fear, holding on to worry, holding on to tightness. All these things, we hold on to them. But if we start to find that sense of softness in the cold, trying to loosen ourselves in the cold, it begins as a physical practice, but then we start to really, really let go. Then we can really let go. And there's a, a great sense of bliss to be found if we can let go. I mean, it goes back to the intention. So when I, we were practicing the cold plunge a lot. And um, like I said, my intention started more sort of performance-based. Mm -hmm. um, but every time I'd get in, I would be reminded of a time when I was surfing in Australia. And I was a bit too far out. And I fell off my board. And I felt this current. And I was like, oh, okay, this is this is the current with this is not good we're, we're in a we're in a sticky situation here and the advice that you just got to trust and you've got to accept and you've got to go with it you know you're being pulled under you just got to go and you'll come out the other side all good what you don't want to do is start fighting fighting it yes and i'm being thrown i'm putting myself in the plunge and i'm thinking back to this memory this keeps cropping up and it's really it keeps coming up keeps coming up keeps coming up and then i read your book and i didn't put the two together until i actually had it conscious of letting go which i think this is why it's really important i mean hopefully conversations like these can help give people an intention to go in but suddenly i had that intention of letting go i'm like oh okay this is the same lesson so this the way the through this is to let go and accept and actually find yeah. that spills over to sort of how to deal with anxiety it's like a riptide yes. you let go and accept um which i personally found was really uh, probably the most 
actionable takeaway from your book for me personally, as yeah. well, but that yeah. practice of letting go. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. It's the not, we can't fight nature. Like in the case of surfing, you can't fight the, the rip, you know, you just have to flow with it in the cold. We cannot, we think we might be able to fight the cold, but we cannot fight the cold. It is a much stronger force. So we have to go and let go and, and flow with it. And it's not a sign of weakness to let go. It's not a sign of weakness to surrender. There's actually a very, there's actually a very great strength in being able to accept and, and, and let go. Um, and, you know, Mother Nature is the boss. So this, the ocean is the boss. The cold is the boss. And, and uh, you know, accepting that is also very good. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good reminder. I mean, you're, you you gave me a, a nice line, um, the, the, the Irish translation earlier, so I'll, I'll give you one back, which is relevant, which is from a chap in America called Joseph Tussman, and it's slightly adapted, but it says, if you can identify and align with how the world really works, the world will do most of the work for you. Yes, that's amazing. You like you like I, that resonates with me, and the way I think yes. of it, it's that's nature. Yeah. So any fight against it is I'm not aligning with reality. This will be an uphill battle. Yeah. The more I can get to aligning with it, the easier life seems to flow. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and it's a practice. You know, it's a practice because we feel points of resistance throughout the whole day, and it's natural to try and you know to become tense and try to fight it. But there's a lot to be said for you know taking a breath, softening the body and, and, and seeing where you're going from there. So, okay, fine. So we're talking about natural things, right? So breath and breathing is natural to all humans, but I think very few people think of it consciously, me included. I mean, I, I'd mm. love to explore it further. How did you, how did you get into breath work? And then what, what have you learned through that regular practice? So uh, as a child, I had really severe asthma. Um, so I always had a very strange relationship with breathing. Um, I spent the first maybe 10 or 15 years of my life not being able to breathe very well. And then as I progressed up through things, through yoga, through meditation, through martial arts, uh, I became a little bit obsessed with breathing because it, had such a, it has such an immediate effect on how we feel. And having felt the constriction of not being able to breathe, which is terrifying uh, quite a lot, um, learning then to be able to first become aware of my breath it took me a long time to even become aware of it in a way that wasn't panic you know that it wasn't like oh shh. so pranayama breathing through yoga was was the big one of the big things i started to work with and i just loved it i loved the feeling of the breath i loved the feeling that we could change how we breathe and that changes how we feel um that led me into uh, say qigong breathing as well so movement and breathing how that affected the body it led me to wim hof method it led me to all different types of breathing um and what i think is the so breathing itself breath work is a many lifetimes worth of study there's so much in it you know people overlook it all the time which is fair enough because we do it all the time we don't need to think about it but I would argue it's probably the most important part of our health. You know, everything is affected by our breathing. I would argue it's one of the most important parts of being a human. Our breath is with us there always in the good situations and the bad situations. And when we start to practice breathing a little bit consciously, it has massive effects on our, on our health, obviously. But also, 
it starts to show us that, again, in the moments of difficulty, in the moments in the cold, in the moments of, of pressure, that we have a choice because our breathing reflects how we feel. But it's like this two-way thing. We can change also how we breathe and that influences how we feel. Instead of allowing the situation, the external situation to influence how we breathe and influence how we feel. So it's amazing to think that we have a choice in, in every moment, that we can just slow our breath down a little bit and focus on it for a moment. And that drops the heart rate. That moves the body out of fight or flight. And that in these moments, we can use our breathing to feel more open, to feel calmer. Now it's a practice, of course, because we forget about it for hours and hours on end, or maybe weeks on end. But the more we consciously spend a moment or two just breathing and listening to our breath, or maybe breathing and holding our breath, or whatever it might be, the more we build this bridge between our, our, our attention and our breathing, the more we start to remember it then. Um, breathing is, is such a fascinating, such a fascinating uh, practice. Um, and we, we have a, an academy here in Dublin now, the Blissful Breath Academy. We teach people to be breathwork teachers. And it's so fascinating to see how we have such a range of people that come to, the, to, to learn how to use breathing from every type of background. Obviously, you have yoga people, but all, also psychologists and teachers and everything. I think people are beginning to wake up to the, to the importance of just being able to breathe a little calmer, breathe a little slower, and the impact that has on our life and the, the lives of the people around us as well. Okay, so I'm sold. I want to, I feel like it, <laughs> it, it, it's the missing rung of someone who invests so much time and, and attention into their own health. I think this is a rabbit hole I've barely even scratched the surface of. So what would you say to someone like me who, I want to explore. I want to start incorporating breathwork into my life. Where, where do I start? What, what would you say? It is, so for example, um, on my website, breathewithneil.com, we have a free 10 days of breathing challenge, which is just 10 minutes a day for 10 days. You just listen to me guiding you through 10 minutes. And you just do it like there's 10 different ones. You just do it once a day for 10 days. That's a great start. I can send you the link that uh, or just jump on youtube wherever you kind of look for your information and just put in like five minute breathing session three minute breathing session and just explore really small three or four minutes of breathing just to see how it feels one thing that people can think about because most people overlook breathing you know and i work with um professional sports people olympic athletes all those people and it's like the last missing piece of performance. Everyone is thinking about what they eat. Everyone is thinking about what they eat. And as a thought experiment, I always say to people, look, if we took out food from, from our daily life, you know, how important is it to us? And of course, it's so important that we'd be all dead after a few weeks if we, if we stopped eating. And I think about the Olympic athletes and, and how much they think about hydration and what they drink. And again, I often say to people, look, Let's do a mind experiment. Let's imagine we take out liquids, hydration from our, our daily life. How long would we last? It'd be like a few days. Hugely important. But if we were to remove breathing, if we were to hold our breath, how long would we last? We'd be dead in minutes. That's how important it is. In the hierarchy of importance, 
breathing is the most essential part of, of our health, our existence, our performance. And you can see now, you know, lots of the huge sports teams, they have breathing coaches within their setup now. It's such an important part of it. So <clears throat> explore it. It's so fascinating. Um, but it is a thing that's that's very much overlooked. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with the 10 days. Um, I'll probably start today. <laughs> You know, I'll send you that link. You're one of those guys in G2 and you end the conversation. You just want to rip a tree out of the ground. You know, you, 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 give off this, uh, you give off this energy. It's great. I want to go in a cold plunge and do some breathing. Um, but I'll start. Hey, that's what it's all about. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll keep, I'll keep you posted how we do it. Maybe Eloise can join me on the, on the yes. 10 days of breathing. She, and this is the interesting thing. This is the interesting thing about breathing. Uh, there's so many interesting things about it. But when people breathe together so we think about breathing as like a breathing exercise but think about singing singing is a, is a breathing exercise think about where people sing they sing at concerts they sing in religious gatherings or gatherings whatever it is we release oxytocin when we breathe out and we breathe together oxytocin is the chemical for people who may not know that we release when we bond with other people so a mother and her child they release oxytocin so they bond together so there's even there's even uh theories that not only does oxytocin helps us bond together as people but it bonds us to our environments so when you breed together with people you you actually bond closer to people so when we have big workshops and you know you might have 50 100 people that come in that are strangers and all of a sudden we lie down we do half an hour 30 minutes of breathing people get up and they they feel a sense of communion with the people around them which they didn't before and that's down to the breath There's so much in the breath so the both of you doing the breathing together is such a beautiful experience for people to share as well well that's super interesting you say that the the uh a favorite pastime of mine is just trawling through pubmed and like digesting literature on things i find interesting right so i've got alerts for all sorts of different botanicals <clears throat> herbs but cold and heat exposure at the same time and there's a couple of papers that propose a mechanism of stimulating oxytocin through the cold which is interesting yeah. i mean it's quite preliminary research but even the cold alone apparently can have oxytocin promoting yeah. effects so when you were especially sometimes eloise and i get in the ice bath together for that reason so yeah it's interesting that breath work is often stacked with cold exposure and if that mechanism yeah. was true you'd have two uh vectors working in the same direction for oxytocin right so yeah that leads me to the next question of okay so you have breath work in isolation is a you know definitely something that me personally i'm going to explore cold water in isolation wonderful what place do they have together and then how does the experience change if you do a breathwork session before the cold or after the cold or during mm. i'd love to get your thoughts on that so there's a great piece of research actually um i think it is arthur or not arthur Cross. it's the it's come out of Bradbound University in the Netherlands and they they had a look at the Wim Hof method which is breathing and cold and they did this uh, research over years breaking it down and what they they wanted to see was the, are the most effects just from the breathing or just from the cold or by practicing both and what they found was that the the most health benefits and mental benefits were from a practice of both of them together not at the same time but to have them as as a practice each each of them separately had great effects but the, the effects were best together so even spending a couple of minutes a day some people might only spend three minutes a day doing a little bit of breathing 
that's enough. That's enough to get started. And then having your cold shower at some point as well. So the idea in an ideal world is that we would do some breathing, which moves us into a place where the body feels calm, where the body feels open. We're in the parasympathetic part of the nervous system. We're feeling good. So that means that when we get into the cold eventually, after that, we can absorb the shock of the cold a little better because we're, we're primed for it. Now, that doesn't mean we have to do the breathing before the cold. They can be interchangeable. They can be one end of the day. I tend to do my breathing first thing in the morning to set me up for the day. We have four teenagers, so you need a lot of breathing to deal with them. And the cold practice might be a little bit later in the day. So they don't have to be right beside each other. Um, and you can move them around. The cold could be one end of the day, the, whatever it is. Um, but it's really, really important that we don't do any kind of heavy breathing and then get straight into the cold. We want to be kind of fully aware. The breathing can bring us to, an, a, you know, we can lose track of time and space a little bit with some breathing. So before we get into the cold, we definitely want to be back, you know, and very conscious. Um, and some people kind of mistakenly think, oh, I'm going to do kind of big, heavy breathing in the cold or and hold my breath in the cold or in the water. We never want to do that either. You know, the, the, we want to respect that cold water and make sure we're, we're, we're safe in there as well. Mm. It's such a it's such a key point of actually having respect for these tools, which are really yeah, yeah. powerful. And I think, as a general rule, where people go wrong is when they forget that. Um, I mean, you put in your book, you got a nice bit about actually overdoing it. And each day you wake up, you're not going to feel 100% all the time. And that yeah. being in tune with your body. Does the breath regular breath work practice make you more aware of how you're feeling each day? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, by placing our attention on breathing, for example, we become more aware of uh, the movement of the body. So we're breathing into our belly. We can, we can breathe, feel the belly expanding. Over time, you'll feel your diaphragm drawing down and your lungs opening. So it's, it's starting to, it's really starting to improve our interioception, our, our perception of what's happening inside the body. That's the physical what's happening inside the body. But of course, the more aware we are of what's happening inside the body physically, the more aware we are of what's happening in the body. Full stop. You know, so how we feel. That's one of the big things for me. Um, you know, I would have been a person, you know, going back to my sports background, that would have pushed too hard all the time in everything. So eventually I'd crash, you know, and get sick. But that's because I didn't... I wasn't paying attention. I could, my body was telling me to slow down, but I wasn't like, paying attention. My body was telling me I needed rest, but I wasn't paying attention. So it was too late. Boom. And now I can see, a, I can feel it coming. Like, it feels like kilometers away. You know, I can feel if my, my body's saying slow down a bit, I just slow down a bit. You know, I can feel those kind of the, the body triggering reactions in me to try and kind of get my attention. So, and that all is a, a sensitivity and awareness that comes about from uh, breathing practice. It's really funny. This, I mean, there's, there's two th themes that keep cropping up with the cold and the breathwork. And just, you know, while we're talking, it's like that awareness of awareness. these two practices to really hone your awareness of your internal world and to actually have some control over that through the breath or through the cold. Yeah. What's, what surprised you most about this whole journey? I mean, I don't know how to frame it. Maybe 
the cold and breath in, in tandem, I guess. Uh, yeah. Or maybe in isolation. I don't know. However you want to take that. I suppose at the beginning, I thought they were two separate practices. I thought you had the cold over one side and I thought you had breathing over the other side. And I suppose what has surprised me most is that they are both breathing practices. The cold is really a breathing practice because the cold, how we handle it, the benefits we get from it, what it means to us, our experience in there is all dictated by how we breathe. And that's, and it brings me back to the, the very start of our life where the, the cold and the breath combined to, to bring us alive when we were born. And when I heard a doctor talking about that, then it all made sense to me why they were the same practice, why they were a breathing practice, because it started right there at the beginning. When I started this, they just seemed like two practices that were really good for us until I heard, heard that doctor talking. And then I was like, that's why they're combined because they're right there at the very beginning of life. Well, well, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I asked that question. That was, uh, that answer <laughs> alone was worth, uh, that, that was wicked. The, um, yeah, you never guess what I'm doing later on today. I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some breath work and I'm going to get in the cold. Um, <laughs> Good night. Yeah, absolutely. I never actually stacked the two together. That's the thing. I mean, I, I've always, I, I, I mean, before that answer, I've never thought of them being one and the same thing of, you know, yep. they're actually stitched together. And, um, you know, the more, the further down these rabbit hole, holes you go, I feel like you suddenly think, you know, loads and then, you know, less and less and less. And then there's this really, you know, the, the deeper you go, the, you think, the more you think, I know fucking nothing about this. You yeah. know? Yes. Um, so, 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 uh, my first book is called the blissful breath. And that's also a good point for people to start, you know, to kind of explore the breathing a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, you know, discovering things, these things is very exciting because they're just fascinating. And also you feel so great from doing them. A hundred percent. And actually the, how you, one thing I've learned recently is we, we do a uh, chill and a chat at ours every Saturday, which is really fun. So we get Lovely. Our, yeah, our yeah. around and there's coffee and we chill and we literally chill in the ice bath. Right. Yeah. And, um, what I've realized is people come for the, you know, just trying out. There's that sort of childlike curiosity, whatever it is, which is wonderful and lovely and something we want to foster. But they end up coming back just for the good time and the community. And I'd yes. say like yes. doing yes. it with yes. people yes. versus doing it alone, completely different experience. Totally. Unbelievably different. Mm. Um, and again, it comes back to the feeling of no matter that your friends arrive and some of them might be tired or whatever the case may be, when everyone's finished in a cold, it's a totally different feeling, you know, and that bonding that people feel. I see at the sea, we're just at the sea here, and, you know, you go down to the sea, and Irish people are kind of uh, chat to each other quite a lot. But let's say somebody comes in, and they might be kind of quiet. By the time they come back out of the sea, they're nonstop chat. You know, their their mood has changed completely. So I could say you, yourself and your friends, I'm sure, have a great time. They're 100%, 100%. I mean, Esther Perel talks about, you know, vulnerability is the currency of connection, right? And I've never tied that idea to the cold. There's something vulnerable about being in the cold. Mm. You spoke about earlier. It strips away that veneer. And actually, yeah. everyone's very vulnerable. Like, for some reason, everyone leaves, and I feel a lot closer with all of them. It might be one-way traffic, yeah. to be honest, Neil. They, they, yeah. they might not feel the same back to me. But I know I feel really close, and, you know, they can run down the street, and I'm chasing after them. But, um, yeah. Hey, but they come back. 
They, they, they do. They do. I wouldn't say it's because of me, though. So, yeah, as long as we've got the cold, then it's all good. Um, Neil, the, you have a lovely line in your book, which is, the cold never stops teaching us. So, mm. and, and I, I, through this conversation, definitely learned that it's, it's not a finite game. It's an infinite game you can keep playing, mm. keep discovering, keep learning. What, uh, what are you learning at the moment from the cold? What, what are you still learning? Yeah, I, I love writing the books because they're like a time capsule. They they encapsulate what I've learned up to that point that the book is finished. You know, I'm finished the book. But since the book has been published, I've learned so much more about the code, for example. You know, so that maybe will be in the next, you know, the next the two books away, whatever it is. Um, Because you're right, it never, ever stops teaching. If we just, if we're just aware enough to set that intention and get in and, and, and try to loosen ourselves, soften ourselves in there. There's endless things to be learned. Um, um, I, I spent a lot of time doing martial arts uh, and my son does as well, actually, jujitsu. Oh, yeah. I, in the gi or no gi? Or? Um, I was gi, but he's both. He's okay, gi cool. and no gi. Yeah, very good. So, I'm doing a bit of both at the same at the moment. Brilliant, brilliant. So, you know, Hicks and Gracie, of course. And, yes. you know, and... Uh, and his is amazing. So Hicks and Gracie is so fascinating because he is also a person who, through different avenues, discovered cold and breathing. Like his his book is called Breathe, you know. And um, there's a fascinating part in his documentary Choke from whenever it is 1990s, when he's in Japan about to fight and he's and he's preparing for it and he's in the freezing river in Japan. And he has these goggles, he puts his goggles on, he puts his head under this kind of flowing, freezing river. And he's talking about the peace that he feels eventually after the pain of the cold. And in the book, he describes how he was trying to find these ways of simulating the war that it's like to fight, you know, his experience of fighting. And that in the cold, that was the closest he could get to it. So again, it comes back to, he described it like finding peace in the, in the midst of the war. And for me now, there's different kind of ways he does it. But for me, that's kind of the next part. I'm just kind of learning a bit more about, he has different ways. Of, he, he, like he, he submerges himself fully in the, in the ice cold water, which I wouldn't recommend for people to do at all, at all, unless they have lots of experience. But again, it's just he found ways to put himself in incredibly difficult positions to try and find that sense of peace. So for me, my practice is kind of move in that direction. You know, how, how you know, what else can, the cold can teach us infinite stuff, but how can I find ways to be open to those teachings? That's where I am at the moment. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, Choke documentary is a wonderful documentary. I would definitely recommend for people interested in um, uh, someone at a very extreme rung of life. Um, yeah. So look, Neil, Neil, when you get over to London, we got to do do some jujitsu. We go some breathing. We'll do some cold. cold yes, water. absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. Day out. It sounds good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <it does. laughs> look, Neil, where, where can we find you? Where where can we learn more? Yeah. So breathewithneil.com is the website. Um, and Neil is spelled very strangely. It's spelled N-I-A-L-L. But you'll find me Breathe with Neil on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere. Uh, and there's even the Breathe with Neil podcast as well. So um, just look for Breathe with Neil. 
Wonderful. And I would highly recommend uh, the book, The Power of the Cold. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And um, we'll put all the um, references to where we can find Neil and studies we discussed in the show notes. And uh, Neil, I just can't thank you enough for your time. I learned loads and you've sent me down all sorts of rabbit holes. So yeah, <laughs> thanks for fueling this obs obsession even more. So yeah, appreciate you. Oh, and thank you very much for the chance to talk about it. It's great to uh, get out there and spread the word.